Hey there, folks, and welcome to Rocky Talk. I'm Kyle Mullins, member of the class of 2022 here at Dartmouth, and I'm here with Alex Torby, Hanover's one and only town manager. Torpy started as town manager last year, and before this served in a number of local government roles in New Jersey, including being elected mayor of his hometown, South Orange, New Jersey, at only 23 years old. Notably, he also hosts his own podcast, Hanover Happenings, that provides a phenomenally transparent look at the goings-on of town government here. He recently gave a talk at Rocky about how local government is an untapped innovator. We are so honored to have Alex join us here again today. So, Alex, welcome to the show. How are yeah, you doing? Thank you. I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for inviting me. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, so before meeting you, my like closest connection to young people in local government was in Parks and Rec. Ah, yes. Um, and I'm sure you've heard this before, where Ben Wyatt oh, was yes. <laughs> elected yes. mayor of his town at age 18 and promptly run in, ran into the ground. Yeah, what was the ice clown something? Something, something right, rather, right, yeah. Bankrupts. Right. Exactly. Bankrupts the town. Right. So you've been in charge for almost a year and nothing catastrophic has happened. Have not bankrupted um, the town. Yes, exactly. As far as so I, know. I want to start with like why we want to see more young people in local government. Mm. Um, you know, because, again, I think a lot of people might have this mental image of young people in government as like, oh, God, not that. But you got right. your start very young. And now now you, you know, you've built a career out of it. So, so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we have a lot of. Uh, I guess, predispositions to what we think leadership looks like or is. And one of the things that I have tried to sort of float out there is, you know, if we think about young people and we think about politics and government, you know, I think what a lot of people who are working anywhere kind of near any of this, their mind probably goes to like an image of an intern working for a senator, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's totally fine. There's, you know, there, there's, there's good value that can be gained from those experiences, I think. Um, though perhaps not as much as working in local government. But I think, you know, we tend to, I, th I think young folks can sometimes constrain themselves because of the sort of, uh, you know, templates that are out there. And one of the things that I've talked a lot about is in leadership positions, you know, I think we're often thinking about, all right, you have a person who's maybe a little bit older, who's in the decision-making position, and then they're surrounded by younger staff, um, you know, the intern with the senator. And I think one of the things that just as a thought experiment as well, what if you had younger people in the decision-making position surrounded by older staff? Um, and, you know, of course, on a government end, you know, we're not hiring people based on age, but I think that bringing people from different generations into the process, and especially from a political sense, I mean, when I was mayor, you know, I was, you know, uh, half a third the age of basically everybody <laughs> I was working with, I think in a couple cases, a quarter um, oh, wow. and um, or close to that. And um, uh, but I really, really value the input of the people around me. And most of my department heads, you know, when I came in, you know, police chief, fire chief, attorney, you know, administrator, all these people have been doing. I mean, a lot of them had been in their jobs longer than I had been alive. And I made no, you know, I was not shy about admitting that and saying, you're the expert in this field. I need your advice. I need, and I'm here to support you. Um, but I think at the end of the day, especially when we think about politics um, and people running for office and involved in that side of things, there are dynamics that come into play the longer you're in a position that can sometimes constrain, you know, the relationships with the donors, the relationships with lobbyists, all these things that just really complicate what I might consider like sort of like cleaner, rational decision making. But if you have a young person in that position, but they are really open and interested in the feedback and advice from people who have more experience than they do, to me, that could be an amazing kind of, I don't know, that's a good setup. And so 
if we can bring people in from multiple generations into government that have different perspectives, like I think that's the the success is not being uh, backing ourselves into a corner where we've only got one demographic that's being represented with only one perspective. We we want government should be more diverse and more representative than that. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And and I think that the image of the the senator with a bunch of junk staff around them is also really evocative for a number of reasons. Right. But one of them is also that our mind automatically jumps to federal. Right, government right, and thinking about right. that thinking about that as the model of government where right. people want to get involved and especially where young people want to get involved and one of the things you talked about when you came to rocky a couple weeks ago um again local government is this untapped innovator mm-hmm. why is local government the place where not just young people but anyone right. should be thinking about making an impact influencing their local community i mean yeah yeah i mean i think so for people who really want to see results you know, I think local government is a really interesting place because, you know, l- trying to work on legislation at the federal level, I might compare it to like playing the Mega Millions. <laughs> sure. If you win, it would be great. <laughs> Although I think actually sometimes people win those things and it's not great for them. Um, but yeah, it would be great. The billion dollars. But what are the odds? Um, and then you look at local government and yes, you're not going to have an impact on day one, you know, on 100 million people say, but you're actually going to get to accomplish the change and it's going to affect thousands of people's lives. And that's not a small accomplishment. I mean, thousands or tens of thousands of people's lives being changed by a policy that is, I mean, it's almost, yeah, I feel like we're desensitized or something to some degree. I mean, that is incredible. What, what, a, mm-hmm. what, a, what a blessing and a privilege for us to be able to talk about these things and access these things and actually have that kind of an impact. And, you know, it's not always a good dynamic, but a lot of towns, there's not that many people involved. Mm-hmm. You know, in my own election uh, in 2011, it was a it was about a 9% turnout, which is crazy to me that, you know, 91% of people in a very educated, diverse, like a really incredible community, 91% of people did not have an opinion yeah. on a 23-year-old becoming the mayor <laughs> and being in charge of a $33.5 million budget. Like, how could you not, yes or no, I could get, but not even caring. They hadn't seen the Parks and Rec episode. You're right, so. <laughs> exactly right. They didn't know, right. Um, so I think that's really important too. So there's all these different you know, policy areas, you know, from education to transportation to climate issues to housing. I mean, we think about, I mean, we have all, you know, uh, 170, 180 employees here in Hanover, you know, and we're looking at changing labor markets and dynamics, and we're remaking a lot of the way that those things work here. And that's something that we get to do with this organization. Um, and so there's so many different areas that local government touches. And I feel like uh, many of those... Uh, we're sort of doing the same things we used to do. Mm-hmm. We're lucky in Hanover. I think we have some pretty forward-thinking people already in some of these positions, um, but a lot of places don't have that. And so, you know, wanting to make a difference from a climate perspective or a housing perspective, I mean, that the opportunity for that at the local level is much more significant than at the federal level. Mm-hmm. Local zoning laws, I mean, those are done at the local level, right? And the By planning, definition. right? Right, exactly. So that is. Um, that's a yeah. It's a huge opportunity. Let's let's talk Hanover then. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what brought you initially to Hanover, and what are some of the big issues that are like sitting on your plate today? Yeah. That that, that you're thinking about, like, okay, we need we need to start thinking about this now, so it doesn't bite us in the butt five years in the road or whatever, <laughs> right. whatever it is, five ten years down the road. So, what brought me up here was a couple things. Um, you know, I took some time off uh, last year after some um, kind of frustrating experiences in local government in New Jersey. Um, had some great experiences, had some not as great experiences. Sure. 
and um, you know, took four months, you know, drove across the country and found myself, uh, <laughs> whatever, you know. And, uh, and I'm it, envious for what it's worth. I mean, I mean it's wor- I, something I had wanted to do for years, and uh, you know, I had the sort of chance to do it, and you know, visited a couple dozen states, friends, and all these different states, and a lot of them are people who you know, were, you know, our young elected officials in different positions. And I got to know uh, them and people they worked with and different. I mean, so it was a really interesting learning experience. And of course, spending, you know, you know, days and weeks without cell phone service in national forests was pretty nice, too. Um, And so, uh, you know, coming up, a couple things sort of realigned um, or clarified. And one was the things that are really important to me um, I don't want to feel like I'm in a position where I have to compromise on them in the work that I do. And the main one there is, what does the government think about the community? Do they do they want the community involved? Do they want the community informed? Or would they prefer that there was no community at the meetings? Would they prefer that zero people participated and nobody turned out for the elections and they could just stay on? And, you know, there, there really are plenty of people, I've worked with some of them, who would just prefer nobody pay attention to anything. And I don't really know what the point of being in government is if that's your outlook, but it seems pretty widespread. But deeply, so, like, technocratic is maybe the positive yeah maybe right that's a positive way yes or or oligarchic would be the (laughs) right those are the two sides of that scale (laughs) right um and hanover you know and so i was looking at towns um pretty much only i think the only towns that i was really seriously looking at were towns with a town meeting form of government where the government body you know has this additional layer of accountability with town meeting and the and the sort of commitment to community engagement so that was really important uh, the community being committed to sustainability being really important, um, and then me being able to live in a way that allowed me to sort of forward some of my own projects and goals, which is to design my own living situation in a more sustainable way, mm-hmm. and work, you know, be able to leave here, go home on like beautiful land, see the stars at night, not hear neighbors, uh, and work on well, how do I make how I live the most sustainable possible? Um, and came up here and you know, interviewed and they had a kind of a, a whole series of different interviews that were set up. Um, and then it was a Friday morning, I believe, did my interview with the select board, drove uh, out of here to actually go do the final interview in another community. And as I was walking into that interview, I got the call from here that they were offering the job. And, wow. I, and I and I accepted um, on the spot. I, you know, called a few people when I was on the road here and I just said, this is the right, you know, it, it felt really good. And one of the things that I've been trying to do more of is respect one's own intuition um, in decision-making. And everything doesn't have to be technical and rational and scientific, um, but coming to a place and getting a good feeling from all the people that I met and all the stuff that was happening here, um, it was was pretty clear and and ultimately uh, pretty easy to make the decision. That's fantastic. So, so... The issues facing Hanover then. Yes, yeah, sorry. So, right. so I remember from the event, we talked about housing, yep. talked about um, environmental conservation, sustainability mm-hmm. issues, um, <clears throat> workforce, um, yep. which is related to housing, of course. Yep. Um, what, what's on your mind? Those are, those are, those are definitely the big ones. Um, housing is huge, and it affects almost everything else. Uh, like you said, um, our human resource, labor, workforce issues, huge. Um, and thinking about how we inform people, how we engage people, how they participate, whether it's on committees, whether it's at town meeting, you know, I think that, I mean, we are, you know, the structures that we're operating under are, um, you know, pretty old. Um, And you look at some of these things and some of the state statutes, 
uh, where, you know, the number of petitions required for something is 15. I'm like, well, I think that was written when only, you know, 800 people were in the town. Right. Right. And, you know, some of these things, I think some of these were written 100, 200 years ago and have not been updated. I'm always shocked that it takes, I think it's 25 right. signatures to get a something on the ballot. Right, like right, that. right. That's remarkable to me. It is. What a low barrier. It right. Is, that's that's one floor of a dorm in Dark. That's right. Like, that's right. That, that right. is literally my floor. Right. That's it. Right. Yeah, that I mean, it's interesting. I think we need to figure out how we're engaging people. And like I think about, you know, sustainability, especially, you know, most of the conserved land in Hanover is managed by volunteers. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a lot of amazing volunteers who have put in a, you know, probably what would be an unbelievable number of hours over the decades in managing. But all of that's getting harder. And we, you know, we know that. And, you know, I came from a state where we had more, you know, a few years ahead, I think, from a climate problem perspective with invasive species sure. and we just do not have the infrastructure i mean you know it's easy to look at a forest and say wow that's beautiful but then you know you walk around with like a forester someone some of the people on our conservation commission or the hanover conservancy who like really know this stuff some of the stuff i'm trying to learn and it actually isn't at all what it looks like and they're like well these trees are all dying and these plants are all invasive and this animal is supposed to live here and doesn't live here anymore and this soil used to look like this and now it looks like and you just go through and it's really not as i mean it can be beautiful looking but you know and i'm trying to get to the point where you look at the you know the woods and it's not all a bunch of green trees right really what is happening here and even on the property that that i bought when i go out with the forester I mean, he can tell stories based on the history of what happened by understanding. And all of that, I think, is getting more and more complicated. And so how do we – what is the 10- or 20-year plan for that as these things get harder and harder and every inch you fall behind in one of these areas is two inches you have to make up years later? Mm -hmm. How do we stay ahead of this and how do we do that from a regional perspective? Because obviously some – you know, fungus that's killing a bunch of pine trees doesn't care. Oh, that's the Hanover border. Stop there. Like, that's <laughs> not going to work that way. And, you know, we pride ourselves as being a forested state. But are we putting the resources necessary in to manage the forest in a way that have a positive impact on carbon sequestration? Are we managing them in a way that is preventing invasive species growth? Are we managing them in ways that, uh, you know, I don't know, allow us to grow food or do other things? I mean, so I just think that if we're going to be volunteer-based in so many of these ways, which New England is, we have tons of elected positions. That do, I mean, our elections are almost entirely run by people who either are totally volunteering or getting a very small stipend. Sure. That's incredible. Yeah. But it's also kind of crazy why people are spending hundreds of hours on this. I might argue that they should get paid for that and that we don't want people who can – we don't want to take people off who can't afford it. Mm-hmm to volunteer that kind of time. So are we limiting the kinds of people who can get involved in local government? And I think we are. And so all of these areas, I mean, th there's there's no lack, you know, we're, we're looking at technology improvements, uh, you know, even just down to, there are parts of town that don't have cell phone service and, and high-speed internet. And like, that's crazy too. Yeah. And if we want people to engage with us and be able to be connected to their neighbors and have economic opportunity, like those things need to be there. Yeah, wow. So how can the college as an institution um, support the town on issues like housing, on issues like sustainability, on issues like workforce management, the things we've been, we've been talking about here? I think the key is integration um, is probably, I keep kind of like coming back to that word, even since I use it a few times at the Rocky Talk, and since yeah. then just trying to think about like what, what is the thing that we're really describing here? You know, we're, we're doing planning, but the 
I'm not sure the planning is integrated. Sure. Um, and I think that's the important thing is integrating between disciplines. So making sure different departments within the town are planning together and that those plans are within each other's context, making sure that different stakeholders within Hanover, the town and the college and the school district, I think being the biggest three, mm -hmm. that those plans are integrated. Then zooming out again and making sure that different town and communities plans between communities are integrated. Like there's a few layers to that. Um, and I was struck, I remember, uh, by somebody who pointed out that, like, the town's plan does not come out at the same time as the college's plan. I met, this has been a and, pain point, yes. Yeah, and then and the two are wildly different. Right, right, <laughs> And right. I, mean, I don't know how the school district fits into this, but, right. but, I'm, but I'm sure their plan is at least somewhat different than, than the other plan. Like, I don't know. They're not all aligned. Exactly, right. and that's the problem. Right, right. That, that was really striking to me. And so, you know, trying to align these in a, in, even from a chronological perspective right. would, would make a big difference, it sounds like. I agree. And I think <laughs> if, if, if we could do that in town and model that for the region, mm -hmm. I think that would be really important because I have a lot of informal relationships that I've been building with other town managers and other stakeholders, but... You know, we don't really have a county government that's involved in those kind of things. And, you know, the state of New Hampshire has taken this sort of, well, we're, we're going to tax less, but then, of course, that means we provide less. Um, and whether that's right or wrong is not the question, more that somebody needs to be coordinating some of this work. Mm -hmm. And who is it? And if all these towns are do going in different directions from a housing perspective, which I think is somewhat what's happening then how are we going to address this as a region? And right. I think we have found that we haven't. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know Lebanon has, see, at least from what I've seen, really leaned into mm -hmm. trying to build more housing, right. doing a lot of upzoning and, uh, and approving new housing units and stuff. And I haven't seen the same thing pretty much any other right. town around here. Right. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. But other than the, the West Wheelock upzoning we saw last, right. last year um, here in Hanover. so I think there'll be a little more of that. I mean, I think some towns are struggling with the, um, especially on the Vermont side in the Upper Valley. There's just a lot of really complicated dynamics between uh, folks who, you know, have been here for multiple generations and I think have certain expectations about what the town's going to look like in the future. Mm -hmm. And maybe folks who've moved here a little more recently and have different expectations. I think but those are the same conversations playing out everywhere, and we're just, like, repeating these things in all these silos when we're all struggling with the same kinds of dynamics. You know, I think that Hanover is moving in the right direction where, you know, the sustainable master plan process that is um, wrapping up, it's nearing the end of its, you know, year or year and a half of work. Um, there are going to be warrant articles that are working its way through the kind of planning board and stuff that are going to move us in the right direction, you know, allowing hopefully mixed use in the downtown so that, you know, we could build residential above commercial, which right now is prohibited in most of the downtown. Two over one, three over one, four over one kind of stuff. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, you look at a lot of that and you, and I mean, I thought when I first visited, oh, look at all the nice apartments above the store. Nope. Those are all offices. None of those are apartments. Are they real? Wait, yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I thought that some of them were houses. Mm -mm. No, uh, some of them, most of them not. Really? There's a few sections, but yeah, most of, most of them are office space. And, um, that's new to me, and I've been here yeah, five years. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's really. I mean, I don't think most. I don't think most because they look. And I think at one point they may have been apartments, sure. but they're, but almost exclusively office space right now. Wow. And like, could that be moved different location? I mean, I mean, let's just figure it out. But obviously, you know, having dense residential in a downtown area, we've got lots of surface parking around. But you know, and it's one of these things that a lot of towns have. Well, somehow we have parking everywhere, but it's hard to find parking. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like, what is that? What's what does that mean? And but surface parking is one of these things. I mean, every town that I was interviewing in, you know, the first thing I do, literally one of the first things I do, Google Maps, satellite, 
look at the town, how much surface parking is there, and, and, and usually that is caused by towns that have high parking minimums in their zoning so that every time someone builds, they basically have to commit or build parking for that. Right. Even though we're sharing parking and not every business is open at the same time or has an influx of customers at the same time, right? So the bar and the early morning cafe could share parking spaces mm -hmm. or they don't all need their own. Um, and that's something that's going to be addressed, uh, start, that's going to start to be addressed here going forward. So, you know, my hope is that, you know, we have some things to fix, I think, and address on our end. You know, it sounds like the college is gearing up uh, to build more housing, you know, which is Ooh. great. Um, you know, hopefully, the, you know, those projects will be done, again, in integrated ways with the community and with the town. Hopefully, the town, school district, and college can all work together here. Like, let's mm -hmm. just put everybody together, and um, I think we're going to see some things change. And my sense is that that is generally understood as necessary because – I mean, these labor shortages that you mentioned, and people were having a lot of trouble hiring people, especially into not the top of the wage scale positions. But right now, I mean, Hanover and Dartmouth is probably in the same boat. And, I'm, and I know the school district is too. I, at least for us, I can say for sure, we don't pay a single employee enough money to take out a mortgage on a house that is selling at the median sale price in Hanover. Not even, yeah. not even close. Yeah. That's not right. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing more and more people live farther and farther away, which has all sorts of issues. A, that person could get recruited or poached by another town that's closer. They could even be paying less money than we are. But you say, well, you've got an hour commute. Now you're going to have a 10-minute commute. That makes it very susceptible to losing employ employees. And then when the weather's bad, people can't really come in. And right. it's actually kind of nice when you have more people nearby or at least some number of people nearby you know, they could ski down into town hall if they need to. <laughs> but if you if you're if it's an hour drive, that's you know, not, that's not gonna no happen. way. You can't ski on I-89. No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Although I'm sure people have tried. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could, yeah. see, I could see Vermonters doing see that. See that picture in uh, daybreak one morning of exactly. people skiing down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I might. My, my, this is unrelated, but I, uh, I when a hurricane came through my hometown in Florida, um, there's a great I have a great picture of my sister kayaking in the mm. streets. Because um, the streets just, you know, we're low lying. Got to get around. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right, right. So, um, I want to ask about students getting involved. Mm -hmm. um, where do you think the best places are for students to get involved in issues they care about in, in, in town governments? In town governance, excuse me. So I have a couple thoughts, but I would also throw out that um, some of this I'd be interested in what st how students want to plug in too. Sure. And I've had some conversations with students, but I think we could do a little more at kind of engaging. Um, engaging students in that way like what are people interested in plugging into what have they tried to what what do they want to know less about more about mm -hmm. um so i think there are a couple things though that kind of jump to the uh forefront one is housing related issues um you know we have obviously a need for housing and we have a need for safe housing and one of the things that we're going to be talking about at town meeting this year is a proposed rental housing inspection ordinance that we had talked about in the select board meetings but turns out uh, the town form of government in New Hampshire, we don't, anyway, we, the select board doesn't have the authority to pass it. The town meeting has to pass right, it. Right, right. And this would be an ordinance that would basically uh, require that rental properties are inspected on a cyclical basis once every three years, unless there are more violations. We know there's unsafe housing in Hanover and we've heard the stories and we did, um, the student government did some surveying of students and sent that, which was helpful to get that feedback from people mm -hmm. um, where they're like, you know, just saying, Oh yeah, I lived in uh, an apartment in Hanover, and it didn't have any smoke detectors. It's like, really? 
don't want to hear. I mean, that's really not okay. Horrifying. It's actually horrifying. Really horrifying. It really is. That is the right word. And um, and it's. I mean, it's super serious. And um, and we need the tools. I think to be able to go in, inspect those properties, make sure that they meet you know basic uh, life safety requirements. And so that's an area where. You know, I feel like getting students plugged in on that policy is mm-hmm. really important because there's also a behavioral and an education piece. There's the, you know, whatever, 0.5% of people who don't do, you know, who don't behave well with this stuff and cause problems for everybody else. And most, I think, who want to live in safe housing but also don't have options right. right now or don't feel like they are comfortable putting their name out there on something. But, you know, issues like that that pop up, anything housing related, I think we need student feedback on. Um, and the rental housing inspection ordinance that'll be at town meeting in May, I would put a special uh, flag on. Mm-hmm. That's one. Uh, downtown issues, I think, are a big one. There is definitely a weird mismatch of, and we're going through these conversations with this kind of downtown working group right now, business owners. Yeah. And one of the conversations is, do we have what the community wants in the downtown? Is there a mismatch? Are we offering things people don't need or want here? Um, or and are we not offering things that people do want? And I think there's we do have a strange numbers of like boutique clothing stores per capita. Um, <laughs> yeah, though my guess is that I mean they seem like they're doing they actually do seem like they're doing well. pretty well. I, 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 I don't know how many students are, but you know, but they also yeah. I mean, it, I think what would be nice is to have a good mix of all of these things. You know, are students going to those places? I'm not. I'm not sure, honestly. Yeah. Um, but not I, to pick on the clothing stores. Right. No. And 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 I think I I think that like, um, but you know, you don't want. Banks are important. Uh, realtors are important, but you don't want every single you know storefront to be. You want a mix of things, right? And, and we do seem to be lacking some things, like late night food options. Fortunately, Sawtooth opening, I think, is a step in the right direction. Absolutely. I mentioned this at the Rocky Talk. I thought it was just very sad hearing people talk about late night going to CVS, because that's just not. <laughs> it is depressing. Yes. I can confirm. And then I also I don't want to get into you know I mean look if you want Domino's you got to get Dom- you know, sometimes you just need to get Domino's. Yeah. But if you want <laughs> pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that might be something different. And of course, coming from New Jersey, you know, I'm going to be very condescending about pizza, Naturally. including for people from New York. Like, let's get that debate going. Um, <laughs> but we, you know, that seems like an obvious deficiency as far as what we have here. And, you know, I went to college in a college town um, in Amherst in Massachusetts and like mm-hmm. a million late night food. And granted, there was a lot of students there, you know, with UMass uh, as well. But, right. you know, I've spent a time in other college towns, you know, Saratoga in New York where Skidmore is. Skidmore is, I think, smaller than Dartmouth. And like, you know, Friday, Saturday nights, side streets closed down, live music like outside. I mean, just a different. And I think we have the ingredients here for some of that. But we haven't mixed it all together. We haven't. We haven't. And the business owners want to experiment with this stuff, but we don't have the support mechanisms from the town to enable that kind of facilitation yet. So that's what we're talking about. That's a great area, I think, for students to plug in. Um, And actually, because of some of these conversations, we're now in early conversations with the college to try and figure out how to get um, a block of time during orientation in the fall to bring students downtown and get them introduced to what we have here, which would, I think, be a big step in the right direction. Which I think is an amazing idea. Yeah, I mean, it's I, great. I, I, there are still businesses in town where I, you know, I discovered them last year and I was right. like, whoa, right, right. where did this come from? They, right. And you're like, oh, it's been here, right. <laughs> it's been here for 20 years. Right. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah. So, so that's a good one, I think, for students to plug in. Um, because especially because we need like feedback about that. And then my hope is that we're going to be launching a bunch of initiatives about branding efforts and new events and activities. And, you know, I don't know, should we try closing a street and making a pedestrian for a week or two? Like there's just all these different things. And that's going to take a lot of like participation and interest and all that kind of stuff. 
So I think that's helpful. Sustainability, mm-hmm. especially all the conservation stuff. You know, anybody who's at Dartmouth who is studying sustainability should come down and uh, meet our Conservation Commission or the Hanover Conservancy. I mean, we have thousands of acres of conserved land in Hanover um, and, you know, 120 miles of trails. And o- almost all of that's maintained by volunteers. And, and some of that the college owns and maintains. A lot of that we own or we have a partnership and we maintain. And mm-hmm. anybody who's studying that kind of stuff, like this is great opportunity to meet people who literally have been doing forestry work for 20 or 30 years. Again, you can walk through a forest and be like, what happened there? And they're like, well, in 1978, an ice storm did that. I'm like, how do you know that? <laughs> but like, they just know that. Like, that's so cool. Um, and so getting to plug into those, and we need people on, so, like we have vacancies on some of those uh, boards, like the Conservation Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so like getting involved in that way, I think would be a huge, I mean, I think it'd be interesting for the students and we'd love to have those perspectives and people that are just, you know, especially people that might be, you know, earlier in their Dartmouth time and they're going to be here for a couple of years. Um, let's get them plugged in and out on trails and doing trail work and helping us plan the future of our forest. So Absolutely. those are three areas that I think um, there's a bunch more, but but those are three good ones. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we're, we're, we're hitting time here. Oh, I want to just ask you real quick uh, to talk a little bit about Hanover Happenings and sure. uh, the work you put into making that podcast happen. No pun uh, intended. I, yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so basically, uh, you know, started a podcast about six months ago for the town. Um, and for the record, I, I listened to the last couple episodes, and it's really helpful. I, I mean, some I of it was that. was covered, you know, in the event that we talked right, that right. we were we were at. But but I I found it really interesting and really informative. Well, and I've gotten really good feedback on the conversations too. Like I don't know if you listened to the one with Bernie and Bill from the Zoning Board of Adjustment. I mm-hmm. thought that was a great one. Uh, you know, and we just talk about not only how the Zoning Board of Adjustment works, which probably most people don't even. I mean, how would you know anything about that? It's it's right. such but. Um, but it does really important things, and you know, and I think some of these things can be intimidating for people. They see it and say, "Oh, I couldn't get involved in that." And they actually talk specifically in that is like, "No, no, no, you don't need to be a lawyer. You don't need to like. Here's what we need for this, and it's actually not as high of a bar as people might think, mm-hmm. as far as some sort of technical background or something." Um, so we've gotten pretty good feedback, uh, you know, on that. We've had a couple thousand different um, folks listen to it, which is great. And my worry is basically that, you know. The, the 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 multiple hundred page books and binders with information just not nobody's really looking you know, very few people are looking at that right. even going to the meetings you know if you want to spend an hour or two engaging you know sitting in a meeting for an hour or two where a bunch of it is sort of like routine business stuff is probably not the best use of time but learning about something and then joining a committee where you can you know like sustainable handover where you can come right in and be involved in the issues directly yeah so the goal is to get uh more information to a broader audience of people and then use that kind of first touch point to kind of take that people up the ladder of engagement and then if people feel a little more comfortable oh that's how the town budget works or oh that's what the zoning board of adjustment is maybe they'll come out to the meeting then maybe if they come to the meeting maybe they'll Consider, you know, and we just want people to try to bring people into the fold. And so, you know, the goal is to provide updates. We're going to start doing more updates from all the different departments at some point. Um, You know, we spotlight employees and volunteers in that, which I think really needs to be done because we also have some real characters who work here that I would just love to showcase. Absolutely. There's also people who do really great work that I would love to showcase. And then we also talk about community projects as well. 
Um, and so if people are interested in knowing about what we're working on, definitely recommend checking it out, HanoverHappenings.com, wherever you listen to podcasts. After you've listened to all the Rocky Talk podcasts, but not before, <laughs> then you can listen to the Hanover Happenings one. So it's not the first on the list, but maybe second. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, and then if people have feedback, things they want to hear about, like issues they want us to cover, if they had a really interesting interaction with an employee about something, and they would love to like kind of uh, pass that you know forward and kind of you know people can email me and. Uh, I'll reach out to the employee, and I think that makes them feel good about, like, having those interactions. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that. So, yeah, I appreciate you um, giving us a chance to talk about that because I think this is – I don't know why I didn't do, I don't know why I didn't do it in other towns that I worked in, honestly, because I listen to podcasts all the time. And my bias is that most podcasts I listen to are, like, three, four-hour-long episodes, mm-hmm. and everybody keeps telling me I can't talk for that long. Nobody's going to listen. <laughs> um, so we're trying to break it up into shorter pieces, which is a challenge. Right. Yeah. No. And I. I mean. I. I think the. I think you've hit the right target. Okay. Um, okay. I am. I, I found them to be digestible. Good. And, okay. And. Uh, and. And. But also interesting in the right. Goldilocks. Thing. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. Good. Good. Well, thank you, Alex. It's been a fantastic conversation. Yeah, I appreciate you inviting me and in, in doing this. Thank you. This podcast is a production of the Nelson A. Rockefeller Center for Public Policy and the Social Sciences. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and not of the Rockefeller Center. This episode was produced and edited by Laura Hemlock. I hope you'll join us for our next episode. If you want more information, you can find us at rockefeller.dartmouth.edu.